0: Thank you for taking the time to watch this weekend's message. If you are ever in the Denver metro area, we would love to have you join us at one of our services on Saturday or Sunday. We also stream our services to Facebook and our website every Sunday at 9 a.m. If you plan on watching live, be sure to invite your friends to watch with you. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Well, I wanna welcome everyone today here at Orchard Church. I also wanna welcome those that are joining us live online right now on Facebook. We are excited today to kick off a brand new four-week series called Squad Goals. If you haven't already, take out your Bibles, your mobile devices, turn to the Old Testament book of Proverbs chapter 13 is where we'll be in just a moment. As you're finding your way there, let me ask you by a show of hands, how many of you believe in the power of friendships? Would you raise your hand? You believe in the power of friendships? Of course we do. That's really what this series is all all about squad goals it's about having meaningful healthy friendships and relationships someone said squad goals is that a political term or a political group no that's not what we're talking about we're talking about friendships um, I kind of had to look up what squad goals means because I'm getting a little bit older and I'm not as in touch with the young people as I used to be and so they have the Webster dictionary and then they have today what is called the urban dictionary and so I looked up the phrase squad goals because a lot of times people will post a picture of their friends and they'll put hashtags tag squad goals and I wasn't really sure what that was. Our creative team came up with the title for this and so I had to look it up and squad goals is defined in the Urban Dictionary as an inspirational term for what you'd like your group of friends to be or accomplish. That's what squad goals is. I mean, can we all admit uh, with the kickoff of the NFL season, we got some squad goals for our Denver Broncos, right? Anybody excited about the Broncos kicking off their season? I know we're not real excited. We're a little bit nervous, but we've got some squad goals for our Broncos, our group of friends. I mean, we'd love to see them just be 500 this year, right? That would be nice. Maybe somebody, by a miracle of God, make the playoffs. That would be really incredible. But let's just start by beating the Raiders tomorrow night. That would be a first good step. Right there. Here's the good news. Right now, our Denver Broncos are undefeated, all right? So let's just enjoy while we can the the moment. But I really believe in this series, Squad Goals, talking about relationships and friendships, I believe that this could be, for some of you, the most life-changing series of the year. It's going to be very meaningful. It could really literally change the trajectory of some of your lives as we develop better, healthier friendships. And here's why I believe this series is, could be so powerful and so practical to so many of us. Because when we get our friendships right, it can set us up for success in every area of our life. But on the flip side, when we get our friendships wrong, it can bring more pain and destruction in our life than we could ever imagine. If you're with me, say yes. Friendships are so important and so powerful, and God has some amazing plans um, and intentions for our friendships. And here's sort of the key theme. If you're taking notes, you have this in your notes. This is the key theme for this series, and it's this. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. I promise that is true every time. You show me your friends, and I will show you your future. And this isn't just my opinion. This is something we read about in the scriptures. In Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20, A man named Solomon, King Solomon, king of Israel, um, thousands of years ago said something very powerful about friendships and relationships. uh, Solomon is known to be one of the wisest men to ever live on the face of this earth and he got his wisdom from God himself and he wrote the book of Proverbs to his son to make wise decisions and not to make foolish decisions and he wanted him to pick the right kind of friends and his advice is still true today. And Here's what Solomon said in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. Walk with wise, help me out church, and you will become what? Walk with wise, hang out with wise people, run around with wise people. If you have a squad of wise friends, then you're going to become wise. But on the flip side, associate with fools and what happens? You get in trouble. For some of you that's your life verse right there. You hang out with the wrong people, you can get in trouble. And if we want to make wise decisions in our life that are pleasing to God and that we are glad we made those decisions, then we want to hang out with wise people. We want to make sure our squad of friends is wise. If you want to make wise decisions in your finances, in your marriage, um, with your kids as a parent, then hang out with people that are making wise decisions in those areas of your life. Now, on the flip side, if you want to make bad decisions, if you want to make foolish decisions, then hang out with people that act like idiots. Hang out with people that do stupid things and that make bad decisions and you will probably end up making some unwise bad decisions. You show me your friends and I will show you your future. And as I I think back on my life, um, any of the successes I've experienced in my life, many of those I could attribute to my friends and people that mentored me and people that coached me and people that had a positive impact on my life. But on the other hand, I think about times in my life when I've gotten into trouble. I haven't always been a pastor. I was a teenager once. I went to college, okay, before Bible college. I went to University of Oklahoma for four years. And I I think back to when I, I made some bad decisions and I got in trouble in my life, I was never alone. I was always hanging out with somebody. I was always with a group of friends and we did something that was really dumb and really stupid. And so our friends are so important, how we choose our friends in our life. So here's what I want you to do right now. I want to make this super practical. Like I said, this would be a life-changing series if you will apply this to your life. So here's what I want us to do. In your notes, I've asked you this question. I want you to list right now your closest friends, okay? Write them down as quick as you can. Don't overthink it. Now, don't put your family down there. Don't put your imaginary friends down there. Don't write your dog's name down there. Certainly don't put your cat's name down there. Okay, just as quick as you can, don't overthink it, okay? You shouldn't be looking at me, you shouldn't be looking at the screen, you should be, I should be seeing writing, okay? Just list, uh, maybe it's one, maybe it's three, maybe it's four, write down, right now in that blank, your closest friends as quick as they come to you. Who are your closest friends? Identify them. Now why are we doing this? Here's, here's why, because sociologists tell us that we are the average of our five closest friends that we are the average of our five closest friends. So when it comes to like finances and our income, they, 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 what they'll tell us is, you probably have a group of friends, some of your friends make a little bit more money than you do, and some of your friends probably make a little bit less money than you do. You're the, you're the average of your five closest friends. So if you want your income to increase, make sure you have some friends that make more money than you, okay? So you can bring that average up, all right? Um, it, so if, if we're, we're, it's all about who we hang out with, our, our squad. You show me your friends, I'll show you your future sociologists say we're the average of our five closest friends I mean if your friends all got stoned last night then there's a chance that maybe you got stoned last night why why are y'all looking at me like nobody got stoned last night all right It, it, it happens all right we live in Colorado it happens a lot right I mean our friends influence us you think about your friends walk with God or lack thereof You probably have some friends that have a closer walk in relationship with God than you do, and they're encouraging you, and they're pushing you, and they're challenging you. And then you probably have some friends that maybe don't really have the relationship with God that you have, and you're kind of trying to pull them along and invite them to church and and get them connected to God. We're the average of our five closest friends. We become like those we run with. Isn't that true, church? We become like those we hang out with. You show me your friends, I'll show you your future. My, my mom used to say it this way. She would say, Doug, if you lay down with the dogs, you might get up with fleas. It's true, right? Let, let me give you a definition of friendship, how do we define friendship? Um, in Proverbs, Proverbs seventeen seventeen, in the SMV version of the Bible, you have this in your notes. Let me give you the definition of friendship from Proverbs seventeen seventeen in the SMV version. Um, write this down. A friend is someone you may or may not know well who accepts your friend request on social media. This person is born to like and comment on your post to make you feel good about yourself. Proverbs 17, 17 in the SMV version, that's the social media version of the Bible. Some of you are like, where is that at? That is not what my Bible says. But this is how many people define friendship today. Now, let me give you Proverbs 17, 17 in the real version of the Bible, in the New Living Translation. Again, this is Solomon speaking to his son, very wise words, and they apply to us today. And here's what Solomon said. A friend, help me out, church. A friend is what? Always loyal. Isn't that true of a real friend? They are always loyal. I heard someone one time define friendship as this. A friend is someone who comes in when everyone else has gone out. That's a great definition of a friend. That's what Solomon said. A friend is someone that is always loyal. You can always count on them. And a brother is born to help in a time of need. Man, I hope you have a friend like that. I hope you have a Proverbs 17, 17 friend in your life. I hope someone you wrote down on there, you'd say, man, they're a Proverbs 17, 17 kind of friend. I mean, we're talking about like a lifetime friend. I mean, this is the friend that when you're going through a difficulty, you could call them at two or three in the morning. And not only would they not be upset that you called, they would be happy that you called them. I'm glad you called. Thank you for calling. How can I help you? How can I encourage you? Do you need me to come over? How can I pray for you? How can I pray with you? Uh, Maybe a friend that you've had for decades. I mean, you were in each other's wedding. You you watched your kids grow up together. And then you went to your kids' wedding together. And and now you're having grandkids uh, at the same time. I mean, a lifetime friend. I believe with all of my heart that God wants us to have some Proverbs 17, 17 kind of friends. Friends that are loyal and that are always there in a time of need. That's what God wants for all of us. But here's the problem. Very few people today have those kind of friends. Very few people. The American Sociological Review recently came out with this sobering statistic. And here's what they said. They said today the average American only has two close friends today. The average American only has two close friends. We might say a Proverbs 17, 17 kind of friend. 25% of Americans today say they, have, they don't have one single close friend. 25% of Americans. But it hasn't always been that way. Just a couple of decades ago, about 20 years ago, when they took this poll and got these statistics, they found that 20 years ago, just two decades ago, the average American had six close friends. Six. Here we are 20 years later, and we only, we're down to two. There's been a 75% drop in close, meaningful friendships. That's why we're doing a series like this, because God wants us to have meaningful Friendships and relationships. So that begs the question, why are friendships declining today? Why are they down by 75%? Let me give you three reasons. These are in no particular order, but here's three reasons that sociologists tell us. Um, You got these in your notes. Uh, One reason that friendships are down, meaningful friendships is because of increasing work hours. People are working now more than ever, more hours than ever. We're not taking time for meaningful friendships and relationships. Another reason they say is rising divorce rates. You know, when a divorce happens, um, he gets some stuff, she gets some stuff, he gets some kids, she gets some kids, and friendships are divided. The friends pick sides. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be on her side. Well, I'm going to be on his side. And so meaningful friendships are being uh, divided and are, are disappearing because of rising divorce rates. And here's the third one. This may or may not be a surprise to you. Um, meaningful friendships are down by 75% because of the explosion of social media. The explosion of social media, sociologists say, has caused the decline of meaningful friendships and relationships. Now, let me say, I am not against social media. I'm not against it. I use it. I think it can be powerful. It can be used in a positive way. It's a great way to stay connected or reconnect with people, maybe long-lost friends from high school or college or family members. Um, one of the things I love about social media is when people share that they're going through a struggle or difficulty when they're open enough and honest to do that we can encourage them we can pray for them we can come alongside of them Um, we use social media a lot as a church to help people find and follow Jesus we find that many people are going to check us out online before they'll ever walk through the doors here at Orchard Church so we're not against social media but if we're honest, we have to admit that social media today has redefined healthy relationships for us. Social media has redefined what a true friend is really all about today. Uh, let me illustrate it this way. Think about this. Before social media, all right, now I know some of you are like, I don't ever remember before social media. But for those of us remember before social media, I don't ever remember grabbing a phone and calling a friend and going, you'll not believe what I'm eating for lunch right now. Let me tell you all about it. I'm having a sandwich, it's got turkey on it and some light mayo and some cheese. And oh, let me tell you about these amazing chips and the soda that I'm, I mean, we didn't do that. But now today, I mean, people are taking pictures of their breakfast and their lunch and all these things. It's like, I don't care what you're eating, except when you do eat it in and out, I like those pictures, because that gets me excited, because we're getting an in and out in Colorado soon. So I'm like, I kind of like those. But but social media has redefined the meaning of friendships and healthy relationships. They tell us today that people are obsessed with their online image more than they are their real image. That we're more obsessed with what people think about us online and how they view us online than even what people think and view us in everyday life, our neighbors, our coworkers, our our, spectators friends at school and things like that, that we put what we want out there, the highlight reels of our life, and we do it in 280 characters or less. And we all know that, um, you know, taking a selfie is is a big thing today. And so people, you know, when they take a selfie, they don't just take a selfie anymore. I mean, they gotta get the selfie just right. You know, they gotta... You know? And then it's not enough just to take the selfie. Then they gotta put a frame on it. You know, and then they gotta put the filter on it so they look just perfect. And I heard this on the radio just this week. How many of y'all heard this, that we are getting one of the first selfie museums in Denver? Seriously, not a joke. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. But we put the selfie out there and then what do we do? We we get the perfect picture and the perfect frame and the perfect um, filter and we put it out there and then we wait, who's gonna like it first? And then we get a like and we're like, whoa, I got a like on my selfie. And then we get another like, and then we get more likes, and you know, and it's all about our online image. And we think that all these people are close, dear friends because they're liking our stuff. And listen, I'm guilty too, not because I take selfies. I, I rarely ever take selfies. If I take a selfie, it's because Shelly's like, let's take a selfie. I'm like, oh gosh, let's take a selfie. I don't take selfies, but I am now a grandparent. And I do post pictures of the most beautiful granddaughter that God has ever created in human history. Here is a recent picture of my daughter and Shiloh, our granddaughter. I love that. And when she sent us this picture, I'm like, oh, that's going on, that's going on, on my social media. And I put that out there and then I waited for likes and I watched you guys <laughs> to find out who my true friends are. Who is gonna like Pastor Doug's granddaughter? and then and the likes started coming in, and my heart started pumping, and I got more and more excited, and all of a sudden, I was up to like 50 likes, I'm like, I haven't had 50 likes in like forever, and then, it, and then I was waiting, I'm not gonna get to 100, I'm not gonna break 100, this is a big day, and I finally, I broke 100, I had 100 likes on my granddaughter's picture, I was so excited, and Shelly had posted the same picture, and then all of a sudden, we're in a contest, I'm like, I broke 100, she's like, well, I got 125, I'm like, come on, people! And then it got over 200. It was a good day. You know, we get, we get obsessed by our online image and who likes us or not. And I had to share this one. Uh, my daughter sent us this yesterday. So that was like three days ago. She's getting her started off, off right. But you know, hey, listen, we're not, we're not down on all selfies, all right? We ask you today to take a selfie in your football gear and tag Orchard Church CO. Okay, that is what is called a God approved selfie. Okay, I asked God if that would be okay. He said, yes, if it helps people find and follow Jesus, that is a God-approved selfie. So not all selfies are bad. But we gotta be careful with social media and, and not allow it to define our friendships and relationships. You have this in your notes. Very powerful. Social media should be a supplement to our relationships, not a substitute, I was hoping for at least one amen, I'm gonna say that again. Social media should be a supplement to our relationships, not a substitute, not a substitute. Because here's the problem today, if we're honest, here's the problem. Many people have more followers than ever, more likes than ever, more social media friends than ever, but more people feel alone than ever, maybe in the history of our country. More people feel alone. Friendships are down 75%. Because today we have this illusion of friendships. We have this illusion of intimacy in our relationships. And it's counterfeit to what God has intended for all of us. Proverbs 17, 17 type of friends. Wise friends, meaningful friendships. That's why we're doing this series, Squad Goals. Now, I know this is kind of a lengthy introduction because I'm setting up the whole series. Let me tell you where we're going in this series, and it's going to be so practical every week. Next week, we're going to talk about um, one community away. I believe with all my heart that many of us are one community away from having some better, more meaningful relationships and friendships. I, I know we live in a time today that everybody wants to celebrate independence. Independent, be independent, be independent. But God never intended for us to live a life independent. God created us to live interdependent, on him and on each other. And we're gonna talk next week about one community away, one small group away from it changing the trajectory of your life. Week three, we're gonna talk about this, that you may be just one friend away, from it changing your life, that you may finally have that one Proverbs 17, 17 type of friend. Uh, we're gonna look at the life of David. David had three different friends in his life, three different types of friends. We all need these three different types of friends in our life, we're gonna look at that in week three. And then week four, believe it or not, we're gonna talk about unfriending. There are some friends in our life that we may need to unfriend. If we're going to live a life that is pleasing to God, if we're gonna make wise decisions. You can't live the right kind of life with the wrong kind of friends. You can't, so we're gonna talk about maybe there's some friends we have to lovingly unfriend. So in the weeks to come, we're gonna talk about uh, what kind of friends we need to have. But today, with the remainder of our time, I want us to talk about the kind of friend we need to be. Because in order for us to find the kind of friends we wanna have, we need to first learn to be the right kind of friend, amen? to be a Proverbs 17, 17 type of friend. And so I wanna just give you two thoughts. There's a lot of things we could talk about, but I think if we will do these two things and practically apply them to our lives, it could radically change our friendships and relationships. I want us to rediscover the lost art of friendship. What are these two things that we need to do if we wanna be a a more meaningful friend? Number one, if you're taking notes, is this. We need to learn to be present. We've gotta learn to be present in the moment with our friendships and relationships. And let me just say this this series doesn't just apply to friendships, it also applies to all relationships uh, with our spouse, with our kids, with, with our family members. These are just great relationship goals for all of us that we need to learn to be more present. Would you say this with me together, nice and loud? I will, I will develop my friendships face to face, not thumbs to thumbs. Let's try that again. I will. Develop my friendships face-to-face, not thumbs-to-thumbs or fingers-to-fingers, if some of y'all, you know, you do the finger thing, all right? We've got to learn to be present, be with people face-to-face, doing life together. One study that I, I read said this, and this may surprise some of you, that kids today, teenagers today... Are complaining more about their parents being distracted from social media than parents are complaining about their kids being distracted. That kids are wanting to talk to mom and dad. They're wanting to have a relationship, but mom and dad many times are. Ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch, Hang on a second, you know, and do it. You know, mom's like, I'm on Pinterest. I'm getting a recipe that's going to change our family's life forever. Hang on, you know, and we we got to be present. We got to be present. Uh, I saw a great example and illustration of this recently about how important it is to be present. Put down the mobile devices, be present face-to-face, not thumbs-to-thumbs. How many of you have ever seen the TV show Fixer Upper? Okay, with Chip and Joanne Gaines, Fixer Upper, okay? Um, I don't ever choose to watch that show but I watch that show all the time because my wife loves that show, Fixer Upper. It is always on at our house. And as I mentioned a few weeks ago, after 13 years of living in Turnberry in a two-story house and raising our kids in that house, um, we wanted to get a one-story house and, and get a ranch style. I told somebody we, we got a ranch. And they're like, you got a ranch? I'm like, a ranch style house, not, you know, a ranch. I don't want that kind of yard to mow. And so we just moved a, a, about a mile and a half away to Buffalo Run. And so we, we had a house built a new house and so you know my wife loves fixer-upper and she's been watching fixer-upper for years and years and years but but I thought I, I thought I had it figured out I thought I had her beat and I was like I'm we're gonna build a new house so there's nothing to fix up right and so we get into this new house and all of a sudden She wants to fix up everything, and she's got. I mean, listen. I am on a first name basis with the UPS guy. I come home every day, and it's Amazon, Amazon, Amazon. I'm like, what is going on? And we're every time I just walk in the door, and Shelly greets me, and just hands me a hammer and some nails, and says, "I need you to go hang these pictures. I need you to go hang this." And I'm like, oh my goodness! She's fixing it up, and she's fixing it up, and she's fixing it up. And so I thought we were done. We've been in about a month, and I thought it looked really good. And we put blinds on the windows, and there's pictures on the walls, and. I'm like, okay, finally, I'm going to get a break tonight. I don't have to hang anything. And I come home and she's like, and I see all these boxes that arrived from Amazon. I'm like, what is this? She goes, oh, that's the curtains. I said, what, 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 why do we need curtains? We got mini blinds. Oh no, we have to have curtains to tie everything together. And she goes on this big speech and I'm like, I don't want any curtains. I mean, would you, pr- i pray for your pastor. I've been, uh, come on. Every night I'm like, oh, dear Jesus, Lord, please come quickly, you know. And so she's like, we got to hang these curtains. And I'm like, okay, can I just... Can I just have a break? Just, just, I need a night or two. And we were going into Labor Day weekend. And so I said, just, just give me. And she goes, okay. And she goes, I'm not gonna bo- bother you about it, but I'd like to, this is kind of the last thing we need to do to fix the house up. And I'm like, okay. And so I, I, she didn't say anything for a couple of days. And then it was Labor Day. And we really didn't have any specific plans. I Had a little bit of extra energy. And on my own, without her asking, I said, I think we could hang some curtains today she's like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah. She's like, oh, yes, yes. She's running around the house. She's grabbing the drill and everything. And so we're starting to hang curtains. Now, now I know y'all, some of you guys are like, hanging curtains isn't a big deal. Yet yeah, Try it when you're five, four. Okay. It is a big deal. I mean, I got to get out the extra high ladder. I can't reach. It's, it's, it's a challenge. And so we're hanging curtains. And so we, we hang them in the bedroom, And we hang all the curtains in the bedroom and and I step back and I've got the drill in my hand and she looks at it and she's like, she turns around, she looks at me and this is what she says. She goes, you have never been sexier to me than in this moment. And I said, I threw down the drill, I said, well, come and get it. We're in the bedroom. Hey, we keep it real here at Orchard, all right? I'm gonna have fun up here with or without you guys. I'm like, come and get it. She goes, no, we got some more curtains to hang in the living room. I'm like, come on. Why did I tell you all that? Oh yes, the show fixer upper. So Chip and and Gaines own, own all that. They own, was it Magnolia Farms or something like that? Well, one of the shows we were watching, they opened a new restaurant And I thought this was really unique, what they did in this restaurant. We've got a picture of it. This is Magnolia Table. And you can see the tables there in the restaurant. And you'll notice these leather pockets uh, by each table. And those are not for menus. They said they put these at every table because when people come in, guests come into the restaurant, they ask them to put their mobile devices in the leather pockets. They said, we want you to be present with your friends, with your family, have meaningful conversations. I thought, wow. That's pretty powerful. And God wants us to be present. If we're going to have meaningful friendships, we've got to be present. Think about Jesus and his squad, the disciples, three and a half years. Jesus never said, okay, here's a homework assignment. Here's a book to read. Come back and report on it. No, Jesus said, follow me. Be with me. Be present with me. We're going to do life together. Jesus was not a part-time tutor to his friends and his disciples. He was a full-time friend. And that's what God wants. He wants us to be present face-to-face, not thumbs-to-thumbs or fingers-to-fingers. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews said. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, he said this, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. When was the last time in your friendships that you guys talked about, how could we motivate each other to love people more? how could we motivate each other to love people in our community more, to serve people more? How could we motivate each other to be pleasing and honoring to God in our life? He says, let's let's motivate one under the acts of love and good works. And then he says this, he gives us this warning. And let's not neglect our what church? Our meeting together. Meeting together, face to face, being present in our relationships as some people do. And I would say as a lot of people today do. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his returning is drawing near. If we're going to have meaningful relationships and friendships, we've got to be present. We've got to be face to face. You know, we recently started our live online services. Some of you are watching live online right now, and we're thrilled that you're watching. But I was hesitant and reluctant to put our services online live for quite a while. And here was why. I don't want our online services to be a substitute. I want them to be a supplement. There is no substitute for the body of Christ, the family of God, coming together in one place and worshiping God together and studying God's word together. And we can celebrate that. (laughs) Nothing should ever take the place of that. And what we've learned is we can have online because when people are on vacation, they can still stay engaged with what's going on at Orchard. When kids are homesick or you're homesick, and and that's what people have been doing. But don't ever allow that to be a substitute for being present in the house of God. And if you're out there watching online, man, and you've been thinking about checking us out, Orchard Church, wouldn't we love for our online people to join us here? Because there's nothing like that. There's nothing more powerful. There's power in presence and being present. If we're gonna have meaningful relationships and friendships, first, we gotta learn to be present. Here's the second thing, very practical. If we're gonna have meaningful friendships and relationships, we gotta learn to be open. We gotta gotta get more open. We gotta learn to be honest. We gotta keep it real. That's one of our values as a church. Make that a value for your friendships and relationships. I'm gonna keep it real. If you're gonna be my friend, you're gonna know me, the good, the bad, the ugly, everything. The ups, the downs. We gotta learn to be vulnerable. People today are not being vulnerable. This is one of the reasons why we're so um, attached to online and social media because we can just put the highlight reels of our life on there instead of being real and being open and being being vulnerable. People only know us online. And for many people, that's just a highlight. They, they, They say today, sociologists say this, that the number one fastest growing fear today in America is telephobia. You know what telephobia is? Fear of talking on the cell phone or on any phone. We become afraid of that because we don't know how to be real. We don't know how to be open. Do we, I do this sometimes. Do you ever do this? Somebody calls you and you're not sure what it's about or you're not sure who it is, so you don't answer it. You let it go to voicemail. Don't look at me like you guys don't do this, you do. You let it go to voicemail, and then you listen to what they want to talk to you about, and then you don't call them back. You start texting them because, see, then you can control the conversation. They say that people are afraid to talk on the phone today because they, they have to be more real. They have to be more open. They have to be vulnerable. They, they can't control the direction. They don't know where it's going to go. They can't predict it. But if we're going to be real and we're going to have meaningful friendships and relationships, we got to, we got to get open. We can't hide behind Social media and other things, we've gotta be open. This is what James told us in James 5.16, the brother of Jesus, he said this, confess your sins to each other. Some of y'all are like, "Uh -uh, (laughs) uh-uh, uh-uh, not doing that. Why would I tell people about my sins? Why would I tell people about my faults? Why why would I do that? And some of y'all are thinking, well, why are we supposed to confess our sins to each other? I thought we were supposed to confess our sins to God. We are, but notice what the word is, confess. The word confess simply means to agree with, to admit. Only God can forgive sins, amen? But we can admit and be open and honest so others can encourage us and pray for us, and that's why we confess. It it doesn't say, you know, confess your sins to each other so we can gossip about one another. No, it says confess your sins to each other, be open and real so that we can what? Pray for each other so that you may be healed. Don't miss that. We gotta be open and real and vulnerable with other Christians, our friends, so that we can pray for each other and we can be healed. I believe that revealing our feelings can be the beginning of healing. That's what James says. We gotta learn to be open. We gotta be vulnerable and real. I remember the last small group that Shelly and I hosted uh, last semester, last year, and we opened it up to some brand new people here at Orchard we wanted to get to know. And so, man, we had this amazing eclectic group. We had everybody from like early 20s to a guy that was in his early 80s and everything in between. And I was kind of the in-between. And. We had that and we had every ethnicity that was there. We had African-American, we had Latino, we had white, we had everything and it was so cool. But it took a couple of weeks for everybody to kind of open up and get real and get vulnerable and, and we were talking about the messages from Sunday and how do they apply to your life and, and we were doing James 5.16, you know, let's be open, let's be real. But, but people were a little bit hesitant and we expected that and so what I realized was, okay, they're in the pastor's group. So they're like, oh, we're in the pastor's group. The pastor never fails, he never sins, and so we can't tell him our faults. Boy, were they wrong. And so what I realized was if I wanted them to be open and real and vulnerable, I had to do that, and I had to model that. And so we had just come off a message series we were talking about making wise decisions in our life, and one of the questions that night was, have you ever made an unwise decision? Have you ever made a decision you regretted in your life? And, And I asked that question, and now it was like deer in headlights. Nobody was going to admit anything. I said, well, let me tell you about one of mine. Uh, Back when I was in college, my freshman year at the University of Oklahoma, it was the night before the OU Texas game. And so there was this big, huge party. And I was there with all these upperclassmen. And so, you know, there was all kinds of things going on. And there was this drinking game going on. And so as a freshman, you know, in college, you had to kind of prove yourself. And I had to prove that I could hang with the upperclassmen. And so, you know, I was just going to show them, you know, I, I could do this. Really stupid, really bad, dumb decision. I mean, we know that the Bible says that drunkenness is a sin. Well, I think that night we were drinking Keystone Light. So listen, if drunkenness is a sin, getting drunk on Keystone Light, that's an abomination. <laughs> all right. And so we were, you know, you know doing these, these Keystone Lights and all this. And I made myself sicker than I've ever been in my life. I mean, I got sick. I got alcohol poisoning. I mean, it's coming out everywhere. I mean, I'll just kind of leave it at that. It was bad. The next day, now I played in the Pride of Oklahoma marching band in the drum line. I had the worst hangover of my entire life, and I'm banging on a drum for four hours in the Texas heat. It's like 110 and I remember saying, I will never, ever do something that stupid again. That was the dumbest thing I ever did. It was so dumb. And it was so unwise. And I shared that story. And when I got done sharing that story, man, I couldn't shut them up. They were like, oh, let me tell you what I did. What I did, I'm like, man, we're a group of drunkards. What is going on here? But when I was open and I was real and I was vulnerable, everybody else felt the same. And man, that group grew. And we prayed for one another and we encouraged one another and it was amazing because if you learned this in your life as i've learned in my life we may impress each other with our strengths but we really connect with one another through our weaknesses we may impress others with our strengths but we really connect in meaningful relationships through our honesty and being real if we want to create meaningful friendships and relationships we've got to be open we've got to be present I hope through this series I hope you won't miss a week of it I hope you'll bring your friends bring your family this is so good for all of us to have the courage to admit that what we're doing isn't working for most of us friendships are down 75% in America God has so much more for our squad God has some squad goals for your life for my life he didn't create us to be independent but interdependent on him and on each other Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. The question is this, what kind of future do you want to have? What kind of future do you want to have? What kind of walk with God do you want to have? Because when we walk with wise people, we will be wise. But when we associate and hang out with fools, we always get into trouble. And we have a lot of regrets and guilt. Let's change that. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would Take this very practical series to heart and we would begin to experience true, healthy, meaningful friendships and relationships in our life. So we continue in attitude of prayer right now with heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're a follower of Jesus, you'd say, I'm a Christian, but you'd say, I'd also admit, man, God has spoken to me today. God has challenged me today. I want to have some healthier friendships. I need a good friend. Can I pray for you? Would you slip up your hands all across this auditorium? I, I need some healthier friendships and relationships. I, I need a good friend. Maybe you say, I, I'm one of those. I don't have one single good Proverbs 17, 17 friend, and I want one. Would you raise your hands? Lift, lift them up, nice and high, all across this auditorium. Amen. God bless you. Hands everywhere. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would just not be hearers and learners and studiers of your word, but we would be doers of your word, that we would apply these truths, that you would help us to surround ourselves with Proverbs 17, 17 types of friends that we would walk with wise people and make wise decisions for your honor and glory and for our good and that this would be a life-changing series for many of us. As we continue in attitude of prayer with heads bowed and eyes closed if you're here today and you've never invited God's Son, Jesus Christ into your life as Lord and Savior that's the most important friend you need to have 2,000 years ago, here's what Jesus said. He made it a profound statement. He says, there's no greater love that anyone would have than someone who's willing to lay down their life for a friend. Jesus didn't just say those words. He modeled those words. He lived out those words. After living a perfect, sinless life, he went to the cross and he was crucified to die for our sins, to pay for our sins that separated us from relationship with God. And then he was buried and on the third day he rose again conquering death, hell and the grave that we might have everlasting eternal life and a relationship with him as our best friend. Jesus is a friend that that he said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'll never let you down. He is truly a Proverbs 17, 17 friend that is always loyal and always there in a time of need. Do you have him in your life? Do you know him? If you don't, you can today, right now. In a moment of prayer, in a moment of faith, you can invite him into your life. I'm gonna pray a prayer of faith out loud. And if you've never prayed a prayer like this to invite Jesus into your life, I wanna encourage you to pray this prayer right now, whether you're sitting here or you're watching online. This isn't a magic prayer. These aren't magic words that we say, but if you'll pray them from a heart of faith and belief, you can say yes to Jesus today. You can have your sins forgiven. You can begin a relationship with him. If that's you, you know who you are. Would you pray this prayer with me from your heart to God's right now? And it goes like this. Jesus, I believe in you. I want you to be my best friend, my forever friend. Jesus come into my life, forgive me of my sins, be my Lord and Savior. I want to know and follow you. Thank you Jesus for loving me and dying for me. Thank you. Thank you. As we continue in attitude of prayer with heads bowed eyes closed, nobody looking around for a moment. I don't want to embarrass anybody, but if you just prayed that prayer for the first time, and I know some of you did, I would love right now to pray for you that you would grow in your relationship and friendship and walk with Jesus. So without anyone else looking around, I'm gonna count to three. And if you prayed that prayer of faith with me just now, would you slip up your hand nice and high? If you're online and you prayed that prayer, let us know that in the comments. One, two, three, lift them up nice and high. Can I pray for you? God bless you, ma'am, right here, God bless you on my right. Yes, God bless you over here on my left. Yes, back here, God bless you, several people, amen. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we just lift up all those today saying yes to you, we welcome them as our new brothers and sisters in Christ into your family the greatest eternal family that exists. And Lord, we pray that they would grow in their walk and friendship and relationship with you in the days ahead. We thank you that you sent your son Jesus to be our best friend, our forever friend. And may that relationship affect all of our other friendships and relationships. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Saying yes to Jesus is the biggest decision you can ever make. We've created this booklet to help you with your next steps. So if you prayed that prayer, let us know by emailing us your address to yes at orchard.church and we'll send you a copy. Your giving fuels our mission of helping people find and follow Jesus. Because of your giving, the kingdom of God grows and more people are able to find and follow Jesus. If you would like to partner with us, you can go to orchard.church give. Thank you again for taking the time to watch this service.